Buju Anin Tanse. Welcome to the Circles of Matriarchy podcast, where we invite Indigenous women entrepreneurs from all across Turtle Island to share their wisdom and stories and rematriate mentorship. My name is Ashley Richard, and I'm a proud Ojibwe, Metis, and Filipina woman. I am one of your co-hosts, and I'm joining from Treaty One territory. I'm the Associate Director of the National Indigenous Hub for the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. My role is to lead and be part of the co-creation of the future of an inclusive innovation ecosystem for Indigenous women entrepreneurs. Tanche, my name is Vanessa Lesperance and I am a mixed heritage Métis woman who currently resides on the beautiful, traditional and unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples and I am your other co-host. I work with the not-for-profit, the Indigenous Lift Collective, as the Lift Circle lead, where we meet and circle every Wednesday to co-create the conditions for Indigenous women and gender-diverse entrepreneurs to thrive. Our circles are sacred, supportive, where we aim to love and lift one another and our businesses. And we figured Rematriating Mentorship was a perfect title when we discovered the origins of the word mentor. Did you know that in Greek mythology, the goddess of wisdom, Athena, came down to earth in the form of the king's advisor, Mentor, to provide guidance to the king's son? We thought that was pretty cool. The Circles of Matriarchy podcast was inspired by learning circles we held throughout 2021, where we brought together diverse Indigenous women entrepreneurs to share their knowledge in a way that honors a reciprocal exchange of wisdom. And we are so excited to extend the knowledge shared from these learning circles in our 10-part podcast series. We have some incredible Indigenous women entrepreneurs that will be joining us to share their big matriarch energy. We can't wait to introduce you to today's guest. Uju Anin Tanse, welcome to another episode of Circles of Matriarchy, the podcast where we are rematriating mentorship with Indigenous women entrepreneurs from all across Turtle Island. My name is Ashley Richard, and I'm one of your co-hosts, and we're so excited today to be joined by Ashley Lamoth, who is the owner of Creative Quay. During our live Circles of Matriarchy events last year, Ashley talked to our participants about owning your creativity within all aspects of your business. And Ashley, one thing that I really admire about you is this theme of creativity that you like to bring out in people and how you bring it out in people. I think there's a lot of misconception in creativity where sometimes folks think that creativity means they need to be, you know, very tactile with their hands, building something, you know, or coming up with like a brand new innovative idea. And it was you that taught me that that's not what creativity, like creativity is so many different ways of showing that you can think on your feet and just create something. And I know nobody can see, but I actually still have my creativity spiral that you did last year last year with us yeah and because I put it in my bullet journal because I wanted to reference it and I just thought that that was such a great activity so Ashley had facilitated a spiral activity you do actually it's two spirals Um, you do one forward one backwards but I'm not going to tell you the whole activity it was just great 
I kept it. I still have it. It was almost a year ago that we did this, but I'll pass it to my wonderful co-host, Vanessa. Marcy, Ashley, Tanche, everyone. My name is Vanessa Les France, and I'm so excited to be uh, joining you today as a co-host for today's episode. And I was really looking forward to today's conversation with our guest, Ashley. Ashley, one thing, well, where do I start? There's so many things that I really admire, love, and respect about you. But I think, because you and I have sat in circle so many times together, and I just love how approachable you are, how relatable you are, your entrepreneurial drive, your entrepreneurial spirit, and how you're so committed to uplifting Indigenous peoples, Indigenous students, and Indigenous women, and specifically through the power of decolonizing creativity. And I have to say the the spiral exercise, I love that. So yeah, that's that's definitely a, a crowd favorite. So if anyone ever has an opportunity to do a workshop with Ashley, ask for the spiral workshop because it's so good. <laughs> but um, Ashley would love if you just took a moment to introduce yourself to our audience and maybe share a little bit about the work you do. Oh, you two are giving me all the feely feels. I love, I love that you loved the spiral. That's one of my favorite things. Let me back up. Ani Sego Skanadoa. My name is Ashley Lamont, also known as Manado Makwa and Wapshishishdodem, uh, Longlack 58, Dunjaba, Peterborough, Nagojawaning, Dunji, uh, Nishnabe, Kwe, Minwa, Metis, and Dao. So my English name, like I said, Ashley Lamoth. I'm a Martin clan. I am a Nishnabe, Kwe, and Metis mom of two. I am all kinds of things. And I currently reside in Peterborough, Nagojawaning, on the Williams Treaty First Nations of the Michisagi. I, like I said, I'm the owner of Creative Kwe. still you know after seven years it still feels so weird to say that I own a business I never really thought of myself as as owning a business but you know here we are so I'm the founder of Creative Quay I focus on decolonizing celebrating and amplifying creativity in all aspects so whether it's business personal fun serious all of the things bringing out the creativity in everyone like I said I am a solo mom of two so full disclosure throughout you will likely hear tiny humans or crunching or hollering or clapping whatever in the background so that is the joys of being an indigenous mompreneur I would love to know knowing that you founded Creative Quay and you're so passionate about creativity and, and decolonizing creativity twofold question I'm going to ask you two two questions First of all, what is your inspiration or motivation behind what you do? Like, why did you start Creative Quay? And secondly, what does it mean to decolonize creativity? So basically, what's your why behind Creative Quay? And also, what does it mean to decolonize creativity? Oh, my inspiration. So many things. So for those who don't know, and I share, I'm pretty much an open book in all my platforms. And when I started Creative Quay, I was very transparent and authentic because that's just who I am. But I never thought a business was going to be for me. I have a nine-year-old and a seven, almost seven-year-old. When I was pregnant with my second, I had a life I thought was 
pristine. I had a partner of five years. We were planning on moving into a bigger house. I had a townhouse. I was working full-time in a great, what I thought was a great job. I had, you know, car, you know, all of the things, perks, everything. And I was like, this is, this is life. Was I happy looking back? No, I wasn't, but it's what I thought I was supposed to be doing. So I carried on and that whole life came to a screeching halt and was destroyed in about one phone call. Um, Never forget it in 2015. My oldest was two, my littlest was still growing. I was six and a half months pregnant. And I got a phone call at like three o'clock in the morning saying, Dean's dead. And Dean was the name of my partner, my kid's dad. And that was it. That was the end of my entire being in a nutshell. He was killed very suddenly and he was in his home country of Jamaica. And that was the end of my world as I knew it. I spent many, many, many months, probably a year in deep grief. I still don't fully remember my second coming into this world or much after that. My focus, I kind of locked away my grief and I was like in trauma response. And I was like, no, I need to make sure my son is healthy and he comes healthy. And after that, I just spiraled and I very little recollection of anything in that year. And it was a year on the anniversary that I took a massive leap of faith. Sometimes I questioned my own sanity when I did it looking back, but I gave up everything. I left my job. I gave up my townhouse. I packed up our townhouse and I moved back to Peterborough. And after 10 years, I hadn't been back. Peterborough was kind of where I grew up in and around the area. And I don't, to this day, don't remember why, you know, thinking back, it was, where am I comfortable? Where was the last place I felt like me? And I felt safe and happy. And how am I going to find that again? Because I'm on this whole new road of, you know, parenting with no partner. It's not single parenting. There's no every other weekend. There's no like summer. It's me and my kids. And that's it. I'm very grateful even now to my family who seriously stepped up and like helped me with my kids. My mom was massively, she's like so helpful and was like the matriarch in my family of like, what do I do, mom? <laughs> and I came to Peterborough. I had nothing. I was homeless for a month with my kids, couch surfing between friends and family. And I walked into Ontario Works and I said, I have nothing. What do I do? And it was social services that stepped up and was like, have you ever thought about starting a business? You have your education, you have all this experience, you have a passion. I had an employment worker who basically like, I can see your passion. She said, I don't even think you can see it, but I can see it. I really, really think you should try this program. And it was a 52 week program on basically crash course and starting a business. And that is literally how Creative Koi was born, was Ontario Works, basically an employment counselor taking a chance and not even seeing what I saw. Cause I was like, I can't run a business. Like I hate math. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a, like an extrovert. I'm like so quiet and shy. And she was like, no, she's like, you have a passion for this. She's like, I can see it. She's like, you love creating. You love being crafty. She said, you love, you know, and I said, I love creativity. And I said, I think everyone is creative. And she's like, that's it. Like, she's like, that's the part. 
So that kind of happened. It took the year and I started just building it from the ground up. And I never in a million years thought it would turn out to what it is now. Originally, I thought, okay, I'll do a little bit of coaching. I'll do some craft workshops. And then I started self-teaching myself. I went and took all kinds of webinars and coaching certifications and all kinds of other certifications. Just two years ago, I got mini MBA from Schulich thanks to an amazing local Indigenous women's organization. Now it's just like, I can't even imagine not running a business. <laughs> yeah, because I just see you as a serial entrepreneur, Ashley. But I love that story because it speaks to the power of being seen by others, right? And sometimes when yeah. people act as a mirror for us and show us our own strengths and our own gifts, and it sounds like that's what that person did for, for you when she was like, no, I, I see this. Like, I see this spark in you and this desire and this passion for creativity. So that's amazing. And that's really my inspiration is that spark. What she saw in me, I see in others when it relates to creativity. Like my favorite and not, not to be like weird, but and a little awkward because that's kind of who I am. But when someone comes to me and says, oh, I'm not creative. Like I take that as challenge accepted like we're gonna find what makes you creative because creativity is not something like it's not like this random thing that only artists and musicians have like everyone has a creative heart has a creative soul and it's just a matter of finding the right tool and the right outlet to pull that out and that's my biggest like I love I love seeing those moments like when you see you're in a workshop and you see someone be like oh I did that it's like okay, now do it again. Like, how does that feel? Like you, you go after that feeling. Awesome. It reminds me, I've heard Brene Brown say that, like you said, Ashley, like everyone has like this creative artistic spark inside of them. And then Brene Brown says for often though, for people, they lose it as, as we go into adults, people don't tap into that creativity because often they get shamed out of it. So when they're young, they get ridiculed or criticized. Yeah. And then that, that causes that spark to, to go out. So I love that you're fanning that, that spark for others. Before I pass over to Ashley Richard for a follow-up question, I would also just love to hear from you. What does decolonizing creativity mean to you? This is a big one. Decolonizing creativity for me is realizing that we're not meant to live cookie cutter lives. It's a mindset shift of our gifts were given to us by creator, by our ancestors, and they're there cheering us on. And for me, decolonizing is creativity is like looking at creativity, not from this, this lens of like just innovation or what you can put out like product. Like it's, it gets into this whole like capitalistic crap and creativity gets a bad rap for that because, you know, how can you make money at creativity? Well, that's not the point. Like when you start looking at creativity from a lens of this is how I'm going to set myself apart. This is how I'm going to use my gifts and that there's no one singular way to do something. It's just, it's finding, you know, that passion. Thanks for sharing so much about the backstory of how Creative Quay came to be. 
it's like there was so many pieces floating around and so much chaos and you were able to, or you had somebody see something in you and you're able to take everything and tie it all back together. And now you're sharing these gifts with so many others, which is really amazing. What would you want your legacy to be as a creative entrepreneur? That is something I've been really, really exploring. And I don't have one answer, to be honest, because when I think of legacy, I honestly, I go straight to my children. And I think the biggest is to know that trauma doesn't define you. It changes you and you become a whole new being. I mean, there's science to back that up. You know, trauma changes our DNA. So I know that trauma is rooted in my children, but so is the gifts and the beauty that we're given. And I think I always want, you know, creative Quay to be known as the one who stepped out of the box and said, we don't have to keep doing it like this. And for my kids to know that, and like all Indigenous youth, I have this big, huge, like passion of like, you don't have to do the nine to five. You don't, if you want to do that, great. But you can use your gifts to survive and you don't have to fall into this line of colonized capitalist crap. Like your gifts are strong and they're gorgeous and they're, they're worthy. I think that's maybe that's my biggest legacy is to know that you're worthy in all that you are and that every single person truly believes that to their soul and finds out that your worth is 100% on you. And you're worthy of everything you desire. Yes, to all of that, Ashley, that's powerful. And what a beautiful legacy that you want to leave behind. And no doubt you're you're well on your way towards that. I think it's also interesting, like just hearing your, your origin story too, and how you mentioned, you know, encouraging other Indigenous youth, you don't have to have a nine to five. And Ashley Richard, I think that also aligns with the, the research that, that WEC has done for the reason why a lot of Indigenous people, especially Indigenous women, start businesses because they're like, you know, this colonial nine to five, you know, fitting in this, this Western box doesn't work for us. And to create your, your own opportunities to leverage your own strengths, to leverage your own creativity to start a business. So it seems like there's a a lot of alignment there. Yeah, definitely. And just also that not everybody wants to be the next Google or the next Facebook or the next huge, you know, there's, there's so much other meaningful impact you can have in the different ways you can do business. Absolutely. And hello, we, as indigenous people, we never did like hoarding and all of it. It was all collective. Like, so success to us was seeing our communities succeed and seeing each other succeed and redefining what that is. Like, why is success equal? Like how much money you make? What if it was, you know, the way it used to be, where it was like how much you gave back and how thriving your community was and how strong and beautiful your youth are coming up. Like it all needs to change. And it is. It's funny, and it's just came to me, but it's funny how an economy based on generosity and giving and gifting is directly counter to capitalism, right? And just like creating all this wealth and amassing it for, for yourself and accumulating all these things. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Ashley, would love to hear from you as someone who's all about creativity and as creative like facilitation and coaching, 
what advice would you give to Indigenous entrepreneurs or even Indigenous professionals about cultivating or releasing one's own inner creativity? What tips or practices can you offer? Honestly, the biggest one I would say to anyone is play. Start playing. Start thinking and reflecting. What games, what things did you love to do as a child? And why did you stop? Those are the two biggest questions I always ask in all my coaching is what made you stop? So, you know, for some people it's like, I love to color. Why did you stop? Well, you know, I don't have time. Okay. So what if you made time? What would that look like? It could be as simple, like coloring chalk on the sidewalk, find something that gives you that childlike joy and just do it and play, play for like 20 minutes a day. And you will be shocked as to how much productivity, inspiration, new ideas will come to you when you just start doing something like that every day and try to do different things like explore. So the creative spiral, like I do that with a lot of businesses because their key goal is, you know, how do we increase productivity and we need to do this, this, and this. Like, what if you gave yourself permission to just play and be present with your brain? for like 20 minutes, not worrying about, you know, how am I going to fix this problem? What's the next solution? What's the next big thing, but just be present with yourself and with your own ideas. Cause that's where your gifts come out. They're not going to come out when you're so focused on thinking of, you know, using that intellect, your gifts come out when you start using that other side of the brain. So, you know, getting tactile and just enjoying and being present with yourself. What are some of your favorite ways that you play? That's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're in each other's heads. <laughs> okay. So my favorite chalk on the sidewalk is my absolute go-to when I am stuck and I'm like, I don't want to do any more admin things. I go spend 20 minutes and I just color on the sidewalk. I create all kinds of chaos because I know it's going to wash away in the next rainstorm and someone else is going to walk by and see beauty. So why wouldn't I? I do a lot of coloring. I'm very tactile. So something about pen to paper really unlocks that part of my brain. And I tend to get a lot of really ide good ideas when I'm coloring. Also playing Lego with my kids. I was never a big fan of Lego growing up. However, my two are like obsessed and the things my nine-year-old can do with Lego, like it's astonishing sometimes. I'm like, how did you even think of that? And he asked me, he's like, mommy, play Lego with me, build with me. And it's such a, like, it's a weird cathartic release to just play with Lego. And apparently like there's a lot, I'm doing some research right now on a new project, but there's a lot of big tech teams that in every single staff meeting, they bring out Lego and that's how they idea storm and brainstorm, which is really interesting. Yeah. So Lego sensory, like Play-Doh, I have Play-Doh everywhere and I have adult Play-Doh which is like this weird, like sensory glitter filled scented. So it kind of engages all your senses. I'm pretty sure it's for adults with ADHD and autism, but I also just really love it because especially like a mint one and you're just like, it's just really nice. But yeah, those are my big ones. 
I love that. You just listed so many. <laughs> there was a meeting I was at years ago and my boss brought out like a box of like pipe cleaners, scissors, construction papers, and he wanted us to showcase our strategy through like some type of thing that we had to create. Oh, I was horrified <laughs> to say the least, like, because this is way back when I was like, oh, I'm so not creative. I don't even know what to do. And my creation wasn't very good because I went in with that mentality. But I mean, now, you know, just with even just taking your workshop last summer, I feel like I would go into that so differently and I'd be able to actually like create something worth sharing <laughs> with the boardroom. I love it. So the theme of Circles of Matriarchy is all about rematriating mentorship and the work and the coaching that you're doing is mentorship in its own form because you're sharing wisdom with so many different people across the country. But what does rematriating mentorship mean to you? To me, it's looking at our ancestors a big one for me is looking at their creativity, but also their unique ways of being and doing things. Like when we look back at some cultures and all across the globe, Indigenous women were always like the leaders. They were the strength. And it wasn't until, and again, across the globe, it wasn't until colonization that that shifted and turned into a 180. So women have the ideas, they have the innovation. We're naturally creative, more so than men. No offense to any men who may be listening or you know, male identifying non-binary, but it takes a lot more for men to dive into creativity than it does for women because that's just our nature We're we're naturally like solution like okay what's the next thing what how do we you know how do we fix this and thinking outside of the box but for me it's looking at that it's looking at getting outside of the box and looking at what these strong women did and continue doing and using those gifts and leaning on our elders because they're the ones they carried through such trauma and they share their trauma, but they share their gifts and their wisdom so openly. And it's hard for me because a lot of my traditional teachers are, they're getting up there in age and they're starting to like not share as much and they're passing, going back to spirit. And it's scary to me because it's like all that knowledge and all those wisdoms are, are leaving. So let's lean on them while they're still here and get that knowledge because they they made it through so much more than I think we could ever even imagine. Yeah, that was a very long-winded answer. <laughs> no, it was perfect. <laughs> it was thoughtfully articulated, I think. <laughs> I have time for one more question, but I just want to hear it, just because I've loved everything you've shared already. What do you love the most about what you do? Oh, I have to only pick one thing? Yeah, only one thing. Not a list of eight things this time. <laughs> Oh, come on. Oh, I'm so good at that. I'm a massive rule breaker. The one thing, the one, oh. Or the top thing. Being able to make my own way. Not having to follow the rules. Yeah, (laughs) they are. (laughs) I thought you were going to give me a tie. I thought you were going to be like, hey, so my top thing is tied. (laughs) Two answers. It's hard because when, you know what, a multitasker plus ADHD plus solo parent, like I always have at least three things. 
Like there can't ever be like one, but. Awesome. Well, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are going to want to find some way to keep up with you online. How can they find you? Oh, social media is my jam. I am on a bunch of platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. TikTok is my new obsession at Creative Quay. And I also have a website where I have blogs on there about just Indigenous mompreneuring. I do public speaking and workshops, as well as I have a product store where I'm launching a bunch of guided journals geared to Indigenous women and Indigenous knowledge and all kinds of other fun, creative goodies. And I want to let listeners know that a project that we work together, so me and both the Ashleys here, guide on uh, decolonizing business, a starter guide. Ashley Lamoth, she actually offered an awesome business strategy, a, a form of business strategy utilizing the medicine wheel. So I also invite folks to check that out and we'll make sure to, to share a link to that decolonizing business starter guide. Yes. And that's in my link tree as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for joining us today and sharing all of these wonderful things about you and the work you're doing. I love listening to it. I'm sure our listeners really took something away from what you shared. So miigwech. Yeah. Marcy, uh, Ashley, it's always great sitting in circle with you and talking all things creativity. Love it. I love y'all. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode and stay tuned for more awesome podcast episodes with other incredible Indigenous women entrepreneurs as we rematriate mentorship. Chimi Gwetch, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Circles of Matriarchy. Thank you to our co-hosts, Ashley Richard and Vanessa Westbrons, and to all of our valued guests. Circles of Matriarchy is co-created in partnership with the National Indigenous Hub of WEC and the Indigenous Lift Collective. Thank you to our sponsor for this season, the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. The Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, or WEC for short, shares research and resources on women entrepreneurs in Canada. Made up of 10 regional hubs, WEC operates in both official languages and includes a network of over 250 organizations, reaching more than 100,000 women entrepreneurs. WEC is a part of the Government of Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Strategy that aims to increase women entrepreneurs' access to financing, talent, networks, and expertise. The WEC National Indigenous Hub was given the traditional name of Mekwam Mekwaikwe, which is Anishinaabeg for Ice Bear Woman. Please subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. And be sure to tune in for another episode of Circles of Matriarchy. We'll see you next time.